Hi, I'm Dan, and I want to welcome you to Church Online. If it's your first time, please take a minute and fill out a quick guest link on our website after the broadcast. We would love to connect with you, no matter where you're watching from. You can also give online by going to lifechurchutah.com or by texting LCGIVE to 95577 at any time during this morning's service. Once again, thank you for making Life Church Online a part of your weekend. For more information, visit us at lifechurchutah.com. Pull your notes out for today's message if you care to do that. I want to share with you today about learning to stay faithful to God no matter what season you are going through in your life. Uh, the Apostle Paul taught his young protege, Timothy, who was the pastor of the Ephesian church, a very important lesson about spiritual victory. In 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 2, he said to Timothy, Be prepared whether the time is favorable or not. Every pastor knows that there are favorable seasons of life in their church life, and there are what we might call sometimes unfavorable seasons. In other words, there are times of great blessing and there are times of trial and struggle. That is life. That is also true of you individually. There will be times of great encouragement and blessing, but there will be times of struggle as well. And I think we all understand what Paul is saying here. In fact, I think, well, I know because I know what many of you are going through. There are many of you in our, our church who are in a season of your life right now that to call it unfavorable is, um, is, is putting it lightly. You are dealing with some heavy issues in your life. Things maybe that you have never faced before. A test of your faith a test of, uh, of the solidness of your confession of Christ. Maybe you have opposition going on in your life like you have never faced before. From the enemy of your soul, maybe from other people, and you just can't seem to stop it, you can't seem to silence it, and you're wondering where God is, you're wondering where the Spirit of the Lord is in your life during this incredibly difficult time. If you're there, <clears throat> I want you to know that Jesus understands what you are going through. Completely understands it. The Bible says that Jesus in Isaiah was oppressed and treated harshly, and yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. Now, I don't think it was any easier for Jesus to endure what he went through without a response than it would be for you and me to experience our issues, our trials, especially something this severe, without a response. But he kept his spirit under control and his faith high. Because Jesus saw the big picture. In fact, the book of Hebrews chapter 10, excuse me, chapter 12 says that for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. So Jesus saw beyond the cross 
I don't know how you can look beyond the cross when they're nailing your hands to it. I don't know how you can look beyond the cross when you've been whipped beyond recognition. But Jesus looked beyond the cross. He looked beyond the trial, the suffering, for the joy that was set before him. There is something out there to to be seen. There is a, a faith that holds on. And that's what you and I have got to do. We have got to see the victory. We've got to see the joy. We've got to see the final outcome of this and stay strong in spite of what we are going through. One of the things that I have learned through the years is that life is a series of what I'm going to call seasons. That's why I chose this scripture, Paul's words to Timothy. Now we know that that nature is, is filled with four different seasons. But the truth is, all of life has seasons to it, not just in nature. And I think that's why Paul was talking about to Timothy. He was telling Timothy that there will be favorable seasons in your life and there will be unfavorable seasons in your life. You've got to learn to expect it and learn to endure the unfavorable ones. There will be times when life is good and there will be times when life is tough as nails. And just like one season makes the next season productive in nature, so one season of your life makes the next season of your life productive. You know, there wouldn't be a harvest, and I think we understand this from, from high school, there wouldn't be a harvest if there wasn't a season of harvest if there wasn't, first of all, a season of dormancy. You've got to have the winter to get the summer harvest. Now, most of you know that my brother lives in Tucson, Arizona, and I love to go there when it is winter up here. That's why we always schedule our missions trip to Tucson in February. We're not idiots. We know when to go to Tucson. We know when to get you signed up to go down there and help with his ministry down there to these abused and neglected children. And so we have this thing in America now that we call snowbirds where people, they own two sets of houses if they're fortunate enough to, to do that. And one of them is up north during the, the winter or during the summertime, and one of them is down south during the wintertime so they can stay in the most moderate weather and conditions as possible. And I wish I could do that when I retire. Um, unfortunately, that's probably not going to work out. I told my kids that when Carrie and I retire in a few weeks, we're going to buy a big motor home, and we're going to travel the United States of America. And when it's cold in the winter, we're going to be down south in our motor home. And when it's uh, real hot down there in the summer, we're going to come up and, and enjoy the cooler weather up north. And, and uh, they'll never know when we're going to show up. When we want to see them, we'll show up. When we don't want to see them, we won't show up. And that is the best plan I can think of. The only problem is that's not going to work. We've decided that we love these kids and grandkids just a little bit too much to actually do that. So of all things, we have decided to live permanently by them. And we have a condo being built for us right now in Kansas City, Missouri, on the Kansas side, Olathe, Kansas. And, uh, and we're going to be a mile and a half from our oldest daughter. We haven't been around her in 24 years. 
but we're going to be a, a mile and a half from our oldest daughter and her three kids and about three miles from uh, Pastor Matt and Christy that you guys remember from being here and their three children. And it's going to be just a wonderful, wonderful... In fact, we're going to be around them so much now they're going to be sick of us. There's just no doubt about that. But back to my point. I'm getting so that I, I don't like cold winters so much anymore. Some of you know what I'm talking about. And, and so because I don't like the freezing cold, we're moving to Kansas City where it gets below zero a lot of the summer. And we have this thing called ice storms, which you don't have out here. We're going to get to... Now, I grew up in that in northern Indiana. I don't know if they had that down in Wichita area where Carrie's from, but I'm, I'm, I, I was going to say I'm used to it, but I've lived in Utah for 27 years and in Colorado for about 15 years, so I don't think I'm going to be used to it. But being retired, we don't have to go anywhere, and we can just sit in the house and stare at the walls and say, oh, isn't this fun? <laughs> I've got to figure out what to do with my life. I, I, I do not know. At any rate, I used to ski, you know, and many of you do, but when we came back to uh, be the, the pastors of this church in 2001, I found out the ski prices, skiing, had really gone up in, in price compared to the 1980s when we lived out here before. And I just decided I'd, I had better things to do with 100 bucks on a Saturday than to go up skiing. And so I kind of stayed away from that. And so really winter and snow and stuff doesn't mean that much to me anymore like it used to. But one of the things that I have learned about life is that even though I maybe don't like that real cold and I don't like the real hot and, you know, I like it that moderate temperature. I think probably all of us do. It takes all of those seasons to produce life. If you just had one season, there would be no life coming out of it. If everywhere in America were like Tucson, Arizona, we would all starve to death. I love Tucson in February. But if everywhere were like that, we'd be in trouble. We wouldn't be able to feed ourselves. The only thing that Tucson can grow is cactus and snakes <laughs> and big old tarantulas, which my wife loves when we go down there, big old tarantulas, you know. The warmth is wonderful, but if everywhere were like that, we would have no harvest. So all of life is impacted by the seasons. And Paul says to Timothy, be prepared whether the time is favorable or not, or like the New King James Version of the Bible puts it, be ready in season and out of season. Paul is saying whether the time that you're in in your life right now is a favorable time or whether it's a difficult, difficult time, you be persistent you be ready to serve God. You be faithful. Don't just be what they call, or what we call some people, fair-weather Christians. They serve God. They're on top of it as long as everything's going good. But boy, they hit a trial. God's the first one that they blame, and out the door they go. And you don't see them again. Now, I've noticed that churches have seasons, too. I don't know if you ever thought about that, but, but it is true. Someone smarter than me said that they're are probably about four different seasons in the life of a healthy church. 
And after being in the ministry now for 44 years, can't believe it, um, June the 6th will be our 44th year anniversary. So that's three days from now. It will be our 44th year anniversary of full-time ministry. And I believe that it's pretty accurate to see that there are about four different seasons in the life of a church. The first season is what we might call preparation. And this is a fun time. It's when the congregation is getting ready for what God has put in their hearts, the vision that they have, and they're praying, and they're planning, and they're putting the details together, and it's exciting to see the dream coming together in the hearts of, of everybody. Now, Life Church is in a preparation season right now um, because I got this crazy idea in me that I needed to retire, and so I have thrust you into a new season that you weren't necessarily wanting or well maybe some of you were I don't know but uh, you you weren't necessarily wanting or prepared for certainly you're preparing for a new pastor and you're preparing through prayer right now because that's what you need to do right now is seek God for the leading of his Holy Spirit to bring the right person to stand behind behind this table or behind the pulpit or whatever he chooses to preach with. That leads to then the next phase, which I would call the season of harvest. And this is the really fun season because now all the preparation is coming together and everything is working and you're hitting on all eight cylinders and people are getting saved and their lives are being transformed and, and they're getting healed and they're getting filled with the Holy Spirit and the church is growing and there's new faces in the crowd and every week we're seeing new folks showing up. There's an excitement all over the place and we can't wait to go to see what God's going to do next. That's, that's a wonderful time and season and it's my favorite. The next season or the third season would be what I'd call the maturing phase. And this is when the real work starts, because now you've got all these new babies in the Lord that are in the church, and they've got to be discipled, and they've got to be trained, and they've got to be uh, matured and helped to receive not just an emotional experience, but a solid faith that goes deep inside their soul and sees them through good times and bad times of life. And uh, that, that's a lot of hard work. Yeah, you know... When there's babies around, you have to change a lot of diapers, and there's, a, there's just a lot of things to clean up and to fix and so forth. That's true in life. That's true in church life as well. And that leads to what I have discovered to be the hardest season in the life or experience of a church, which is what we might call sifting. Sifting. Sifting is a time of loss. Sifting sorts out those who catch the vision from those who don't. And the don'ts usually don't hang around. They sift out. They, they leave. You know, it is a sad fact. And when I was a younger pastor, I just, oh, we can keep everybody. I thought we could keep everybody. But I started to learn that this sifting time was very real. And um, not everybody who starts with you is going to finish with you. That doesn't mean that they're going to walk away from God. Some of them are going to 
go to churches that fit their personality better or their preferences better, and there's nothing wrong with that. But uh, some of them, unfortunately, do because of whatever issues going on in their life, they, they pull away from their relationship with the Lord, and it's really tragic. It breaks your heart because you grow to love them, and you care about these people, and you see that happen to them, and it just breaks your heart. But it's one of the seasons of a healthy church, the sifting time. And a church will cycle through all four of these different seasons multiple times in its existence. In fact, if a church is large enough, it will actually be going through maybe two, three, or maybe even all four of these seasons all at the same time. But it will just be in smaller groups. And so this department over here will maybe be going through the maturing cycle, and this department over here is going through the, the preparation cycle, and this department here might be experiencing the sifting, and they're in a downward trend. It's not permanent, but it's very real. And so a larger church can actually see these kinds of things happening on a regular basis. I remember a book written by the great Christian author Chuck Swindoll, that he entitled, Growing Strong in the Seasons of Life. I think that's a great title. Life has seasons to it. And you can either grow strong in the seasons of your life, or you can grow weak. You make the choice. You may be in a hard season right now, But I want you to know that's not unusual to face difficult seasons in life. In fact, if you think you never will, that's probably very immature. You are going to face tough seasons in life. Everybody does. And I love it that there can be positive outcomes of tough seasons. I love what Swindoll says. You can grow strong in the seasons of life. That you can actually get stronger in all of the seasons of life. In fact, I have learned that we do tend to grow the most and the strongest during hard times. And Paul tells us, you be prepared whether the season is favorable or unfavorable. So I don't know what season you're in right now, but I want to share three keys with you that I think will be very important to your victory no matter what season you're experiencing in your life. The first key to understand is this. Faithfulness with a little qualifies you for greater blessings. Being faithful with a little will take you up. Faithlessness with a little will never let you grow. You'll never prosper. You'll never succeed in life. This is a spiritual principle. This is a principle of life. Spiritual and natural. Faithfulness with a little will qualify you for greater blessings. Now I look at, at a man by the name of King David, king of, second king of, of uh, Israel. When we think of all of the battles and the victories of, of King David, there, to me, there is one that stands out above all the rest, and it's, of course, his defeat of the giant Goliath, Right? Everybody knows about David and Goliath. In fact, it's interesting, you'll watch an NFL game, and people who know nothing about the Bible will say, 
This is a David and Goliath contest out there on the gridiron today. You know, and the one team is the Goliath. They're the ones that, that are supposed to win. And then you got the little David team over here, and they don't have a chance. But boy, we'll see how this all ends up and, and what takes place. And so the David and Goliath thing kind of stands out in everybody's mind. They, they most all, everybody knows what that's about. And I think probably for two reasons. First of all, he was outclassed. He was outclassed. There was, he didn't have the armor. He didn't have the, the weapons. He had nothing to stand up against this, this uh, giant. And secondly, he was a young teenage boy going up against a veteran military man. Okay, So th- that's what makes this so unusual. There was no way that David could win this battle. But he did. But he did because God was on his side. God gave him a victory that was unbelievable. But what you've got to for, uh, what what we often forget, I should say, is that before David faced Goliath, he faced a lion and a bear. That's very significant that the Bible teaches us that. He faced a lion and a bear before he was He was king of Israel. David was a shepherd boy out tending sheep on the hillside. And one day when he was guarding this flock of sheep, a bear came out to attack and take one of the sheep for food. And another day, a lion. There used to be lions roaming in the Middle East back in that time. And a lion came out to take one of those sheep for a meal. And in both cases, David, by himself, single-handedly, with nothing but his shepherd's staff, went and defeated the lion and the bear, killed them, and saved the life of the sheep. And it was his faithfulness, this is what I want you to see, it was his faithfulness in dealing with the lion and the bear that qualified him to defeat Goliath. That's what set him up for the big one. God was sending the lion and the bear to get him ready to handle the big one. Which, I mean, he could have easily said, ah, they deserve to eat. Let them have one one sheep, you know. He didn't do that. He stayed true to his mission which was to guard the flock, and he fought for the lives of those sheep. And and what would seem like an insignificant thing became a huge stepping stone to him being the, the man who took down the Philistines' greatest warrior. He talks about that over in second, or 1 Samuel chapter 17. He says, The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. And then his victory, what I want you to see, it doesn't just stop with the Philistine. The victory over Goliath, guess what, qualifies him to be king. It all works together. And folks, what I'm telling you is it all works together for you too. It's you being faithful over here that will qualify you for this over here. And if you are not faithful, if you complain, if you, if you, just, if you give up, You will never achieve what God has for you in your future. Never forget, it's how faithful you are in all the seasons of life that will determine how much God can bless you and elevate you and promote you. So if you never seem to be making progress in your spiritual life, 
I want you to check, just think about your faithfulness during the crisis. Are you being faithful to God during the crisis or are you giving up? Are you being faithful to God during the blessed times and considering it, uh, con- considering it to be the blessings of God that you are where you are? Or are you thinking, well, I did this. That too is a failure. In fact, sometimes it's easier to fail through blessings than it is through trial. Because we get to thinking that we did it ourselves. You didn't do it yourself. Do you give up? Do you give in? Do you waver? Proverbs 24.10 says, If you fail under pressure, your strength is not very great. The Message Bible is really convicting. If you fall to pieces in a crisis, there wasn't much to you in the first place. Let's take that one off. That, that's a little too, a little too hard. So faithfulness with a little qualifies you for promotion. The second thing I want to talk to you about seasons is this. Seasons come and seasons go. There's a phrase in some of the older translations of the Bible, like the King James, the New King James, and so forth. You don't see it in the newer ones, like the New Living, because language changes. But this phrase I grew up with, because I grew up on the King James, and, and it's one of my favorite little phrases in the Bible. I hang on to this a lot. This happened to, happened to be dealing with the birth of Jesus Christ and, and Joseph and Mary, uh, because, and it came to pass that all of the Roman Empire was taxed. That's where that's going. But it's that little phrase right there, and it came to pass. I am so glad a lot of things come, but they pass. You know, they don't come to stay. They come to pass. They will come, but what I want you to understand is, is they'll pass. And it's important that we keep in mind because some of us give up too easily. We think that this stuff has come to stay when indeed it's simply a transition into a new experience. And whether it's transitioning in this life from one glory to another glory, the Apostle Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians, from glory unto glory, or the ultimate transition of when we lay this flesh down and we step into the arms of Jesus Christ. It, everything comes to pass and there's no defeat to the child of God who is serving the Lord with a full commitment. We think things come to stay, but they always come and pass. And when they leave, you're going to be better for it. So if you're in a hard season right now, let me encourage you, you stay faith, faithful. It's going to pass. You may be in in, in an abundant time right now. You stay faithful to God and committed to Him and be grateful so that when the abundant season passes, and folks, it will pass too, it all cycles, there will be times when you will experience blessings and times when you'll experience trial. And the trial doesn't stay, but the blessings don't stay. I mean, things shift and it moves around. You stay faithful to God through all of it, and he will bless you. It's not going to last forever. I want to encourage, if you're in pain right now, if you're going through a difficult season in your marriage right now, if you're, if you're struggling financially right now, you stay faithful to God. You do the right thing, and let the Lord of your salvation take you where he wants you to go. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right. 
Thirdly, I just want to leave this with you. Decide right now that you're going to stand, that you're going to win, and you're going to be victorious. This is not pride. It's faith. Kind of like the song I grew up on said, I have decided to follow Jesus. I won't turn back. I won't turn back. You've got to get some grit to your soul or you'll never make it. You've got to be a bit of a warrior in your faith. Don't weaken and give in. Stand for truth. Stand in faith. Stand for your God. The Old Testament book of Daniel tells about a time when Israel was conquered by the Babylonian Empire because of their sin and their rebellion against God. But some of the Jews who were taken to Babylon were not unfaithful to God. They just got caught up in the, in, in the consequences of the sin of the rest of the people. And, and they were taken to Babylon, and they were put in places of very high honor and, and were given influence in those settings. And because of that, they, some of the, the Babylonian leaders looked down on these Jewish leaders that were being elevated. Daniel was one of those guys. Also, there's three others that you know about, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And so, as always, the hospitality of the world ran out in its relation to God's people. And some of the leaders of Babylon got it in their head that we're going, to, we're going to require the Jews to do something that we know they won't do so we can punish them. And so they, they decided that they were going to uh, require the Jews to bow to the false gods of Babylon. Everybody had to bow to the false gods of Babylon, and they knew in their hearts that the Jewish, these Jewish young men would not do it. And so they, they convinced the king to, to make this decree and to threaten anyone who failed to do it with a fiery furnace. But this was their response to this king in verses 17 and 18 of chapter 3. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it. And he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. Now, three things stand out to me about the attitude of these three uh, Jewish teenagers. They were probably late teenagers or early adult. First of all, they committed their lives to God completely. They said, the God we serve is able to save us and he will rescue us. But even if he doesn't, we will not serve your gods. All right, so they committed the, the end result to God. So at some point in their lives, they had decided, you know what? My life belongs to God. My life belongs to the Lord. I am his. Whatever happens to me is up to him, but I'm going to stay faithful to my God. For us today... That means committing yourself fully to the Lord God through Jesus Christ, his son. You invite Jesus into your heart to take not only the sin away, but also to be the, the Lord and the God of your life. That's what we're talking about. I am not going to follow what's popular out there. I, am, I have given my life to Jesus. I am sold out to him. It's a done deal. Secondly, I see in them is that they claimed their victory. They said, he will rescue us. You know, there is something about confidence before God that moves the Lord's hand in your direction. 
I want to encourage you, be confident in God's plan for your life. Be confident that he has your best in mind. Be confident that the outcome is going to be for the best. Be confident in his word, which brings me to the last thought. They trusted him with the, with the outcome. They said, our God will rescue us from, our, from your hand, O king, but if, even if he doesn't. They trusted God with the outcome. David, the, the great psalmist, had learned that he could trust God in all the seasons of his life. And it's a lesson, I think, that we can learn as well. And I want us to look at it from the 23rd Psalm, his most famous psalm. This is the truth that you can rest on, that you can stand on. Number one, I shall not lack rest. Why? He makes me lie down in green pastures. Number two, I shall not lack peace. Why? Because he leads me beside quiet water, still waters. Thirdly, I shall not lack encouragement. Why? He restores my soul. Fourthly, I shall not lack guidance. Why? He guides me in the paths. He leads me in the paths of righteousness. I shall not lack courage when my way is dark. Why? Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Hallelujah. I shall not lack companionship. Why? You are with me. That's who Jesus is, Emmanuel, God with us. I shall not lack constant comfort. Why? Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I shall not lack protection. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. I shall not lack power. Why? Because my cup overflows. I shall not lack God's perpetual presence. Why? Because goodness and mercy are following me all the days of my life. Hallelujah. And I shall not lack security because I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Glory to God. That's the promise that you can be confident on. That's the promise that you can claim for your life. And when you're going through the dark season and the tough season, if you will stay true, the devil will try to get you to get mad at the Lord, to blame him, and to say, if this is what it's all about, serving Jesus, I'm out the door. But if you will stay strong in your faith, whether things go the way you want them to or not, whether you get the person to be the pastor of this church that you want or not, whether your personal life comes together in the way that you want or not, no matter what, you have decided you're going to serve Jesus Christ with your whole heart and going to be to his honor and his glory. And I'm telling you, God will take what you offer him and he's going to turn the broken pieces of your life into something beautiful. It will happen for his glory. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's stand together. This is Pastor Eric. Thanks so much for checking out our Life Church podcast. We pray that it's a blessing to you. For more information about Life Church, check us out at lifechurchutah.com.